We all crave connection. At our core, we all want to feel loved and understood. Hi, I'm Nechami, founder of Carmela Cosmetics, a company that produces high-performance natural beauty products and is dedicated to uniting and empowering women through the power of color. This is We Are Women, a podcast where women speak their truth and celebrate their victories. This podcast came about as a way to give a voice to all women because we all have stories to share. It's a place where we'll learn about each other and ourselves, dive into important issues that affect us, discover all that we have in common, and make some memories. So pour yourself a glass of bread and get comfortable. Every night is ladies' night, and we are women. Tonight's interview features my friends and makeup instructor, Brandy Myrie. Brandy was my makeup instructor, as I said, back in makeup school, and I not only learned skills and technique from her, but also lifelong lessons. Brandy is one of those people who's a breath of fresh air, full of passion, life, and laughter. So the theme of this episode is infertility, which is the story that Brandy shares with me, but Really, she shared so much more because during this conversation with the theme of infertility and working through life's challenges, Brandy shared how she pivoted careers, how she retains her positive outlook despite curveballs life throws her way, as well as tangible tips and advice for anyone going through really any struggle, how to stay positive, joyous, and healthy, and how we can own and cope with situations that are not in our control. I was so inspired from my conversation with Brandy, and I know you will be too. Growing up as a child, I had a really strong family unit. So um, even though there was like a, cult, a culture in the world, we had like our own family culture, and that took precedence over anything else. So I feel very fortunate, to be honest, and very blessed to have the family that I had because I know not everyone is fortunate to have that strong bond with my parents and my siblings. Um, and I'm the oldest of three girls. So I was kind of the uh, Pied Piper or I don't know, the the ringleader. <laughs> I can remember being young and like making, I've always been really intrigued by the arts and interested in all art forms. So I remember making my sisters, you know, do plays with me and sing songs with me. And, uh, you know, I would be yelling at them if they didn't harmonize properly. And I would be doing, you know, makeup parties and like pamper parties and we'd drink out of these little plastic, like pretend champagne flutes and have like apple juice and stuff. So um, I was very much, you know, a leader uh, from a child and always really a lover of people. Like there are stories that my parents would tell me about uh, being like two years old in a stroller saying hi to every single person that walked by. Um, and I'm still that person. I will say hi to you if you are a stranger in the store or you know, obviously if you're my friend. So um, I've just always been full of personality, uh, really passionate about the arts, passionate about people and leading and teaching has always been like my one thing. I recently read a book called The One Thing and it talks about finding that core thing that drives you. And so a very common thread throughout my whole life has always been related to like leading and teaching. Yeah, and I could vouch that you're a fantastic teacher. Oh. one of your students. <laughs> That's so sweet. I know. Uh, it's funny because when I started taking classes with you, first of all, it was like six or seven years ago. Is it eight? I don't know. It's been a while, like almost a decade, no? 
I feel like it's almost, yeah, I feel like it's probably about eight years, but I mean, close enough. Yeah. (laughs) So I thought that you had been a makeup artist your entire career, but I remember as we got to know each other, we spoke a lot, you know, we took one, I took one-on-one classes that we had a lot of bonding time together. And I remember you, you bringing up that you were actually a teacher, not a makeup teacher, a school teacher, right? Correct. Yes. So could you tell me about that shift in your career? Oh yeah. So that is very interesting. So, oh gosh, there's so much to this story, but basically You know, when I was in high school and trying to make that decision about what to do with my life after, you know, high school, I had a lot of teachers in my family and I knew I loved to teach and to educate. So I thought about doing a lot of different things, being in theater, again, loved the arts. And I ended up going through school for education, elementary education to be specific. And so I remember being really torn about that decision, though, because I couldn't see myself just doing one thing. It was like, I didn't want to be pigeonholed as just, oh, this is the thing you do for like 45 years of your life. And then you retire with a pension and like, this is how life goes. And you have your family in between. And I just remember thinking like, "Eh, that sounds really terrible, actually. Like, (laughs) I don't want to do anything (laughs) for 45 years. (laughs) I can't imagine who I'll be, you know, at that point. So anyways, I made the decision, but I did hear from an older gentleman. I was currently or at the time I was working as a personal assistant for someone. And this older guy was telling me about my woes. Like, I think it was in my first year of college. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I just had to pick something and I picked education. I guess it's fine, but I really don't feel like I see myself doing that forever. He said, listen, honey, he was about 75. He's like, I've had like five careers in my lifetime. He's like, I did some things for 10 years. I did some things for three years, some things for 20 years. He's like, you can have everything you want. And I remember thinking, oh, Okay, so I'll do this and then we'll see what's next. So there was a next and I was an elementary school teacher for just honestly a few years. I didn't last long. (laughs) Um, And the core part about it, the teaching I loved, but the thing that I hate hated is I loved beauty so much. And when I was in high school, I had started to cultivate that side of myself doing makeup. I wasn't really allowed to wear makeup at first. And then I used it as a confidence booster when my mom finally said yes. Um, And then I started to love it because it was another art form. And um, so anyways, there was always this thing for makeup. And actually, while I was in college, I like launched a business. You can't see me, but I'm putting up fingers to make clothes. (laughs) Who knows how to just launch a business? Like you don't just do that. But I did. And I was Be Beautiful by Brandy, which is hilarious. Um, And I had my little business cards that my dad helped me make. And I started doing makeup. And then in the summers as a teacher, I would do, like, I started to really build, like people were asking me to do their bridal makeup, wedding makeup, things like that. And so over those years, I really built up a great clientele. And um, then I got really sick of my regular job teaching and decided, okay, we need to do makeup full time. So um, there's, you know, a whole story to how I became a makeup instructor. There was a meeting at Starbucks, I'll say, and a post on, uh, what is it called? Craigslist. Ah! So a post on Craigslist and a meeting (laughs) with Starbucks with the owner of the Makeup Academy Multimedia. Makeup Academy is how I became a makeup instructor. That's amazing. I had no idea. But how were you trained as a makeup artist? That's a great question. So that was hard because the only schools that existed were outside of Michigan. So only in New York or California. So that was kind of crazy. Um, I was self-taught for a while and then I decided, okay, 
I'm only getting so far. Like I remember seeing other people's work and it was better and I wasn't mad about it. I was just like, where'd they learn that? Right. So um, I actually flew myself to LA and I did a bunch of like classes with celebrity makeup artists that worked for like CNN and did fashion, fashion week and things like that. And um, I took classes out there. And then when I came back here, uh, the owner of Multimedia Makeup Academy, Devon, became my makeup mentor. And she really taught me everything I know about business. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a great story. I had no idea about the Starbucks and Craigslist aspect. <laughs> yeah, there was literally a post on Craigslist, like looking for makeup instructors for a school that hadn't opened. And then we met up at Starbucks and the rest is history. And when was that? Uh, over a decade ago. So that was 2000. Oh, gosh. What is what year is this? Like 2020. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And that must have been because I came in to Michigan Makeup Academy pretty soon after it was the beginning still. So it must have been like within a couple of years. Yeah. I think you were there probably two, two and a half years after we started, because when you came, it was our second space. So before that, we were in a like 900 square foot or something really small. We call it like our boutique school where we were decoupaging uh, book book uh, shelves and crazy <laughs> things. <laughs> Back when there was no blueprint um, in our, you know, beginning stages. So you have yeah, to start I, somewhere. You do. Everybody does. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. It's a great story. So what do you love most about the makeup industry? So the makeup industry, well, the thing that attracted me the most, honestly, was being able to help young women, women, older women, any woman feel good about themselves through makeup and, and not to create esteem, but to just enhance them so that they could feel good about the way they look. You know, I don't, I don't believe you put on makeup to look beautiful, but I think that it definitely enhances your beauty and makes you feel good. And that's how it started for me. You know, I had a lot of struggles with acne, and I remember begging my mom, like, please, can we just, can we just wear foundation? Like, can I just start with that? And that was where it started with covering up my blemishes so I could feel more confident. And so I loved the feeling and still do when I have the, you know, opportunity to do makeup now um, of just making someone feel so great. Like, I think it's really empowering. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. As you said, it's, it's about bringing out their beauty that's there already. 100%. Yeah, I, it's definitely, I don't know, it, it helped me. And I think that every woman has things that they, you know, don't love about their face or problematic things that they encounter. And you can use makeup to, you know, just make you feel good. And then I learned, you know, through that process that there's so much more to it, like your health. And that's a whole nother story. But bringing what do you mean? From the inside out, like just going on a health journey of really getting myself, um, healthy on the inside. And I don't mean from a psychological perspective so much as like a physical perspective. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. I, I am naturally just thin, but I went on a journey of realizing that thin doesn't mean you're healthy. So because true. I've had thyroid, I have a thyroid situation going on. I had to battle through that dealing with like, you know, lots of, um, just lack of energy and not being able to focus. I had to work on my brain, you know, with the right supplements and the right diet and exercise, which I hate. So people assume a lot of things sometimes about you based on your outside looks, you know, everybody's like, Oh, you're so little. Oh, you're so thin. How do you stay so thin? Well, to be honest, it's natural. It's like genetics, but that doesn't mean that I actually am healthy on the inside. And so 
yeah, I, I've gone through a whole inside out journey, I would say, or yeah. outside in. <laughs> that's such a great point, by the way. Yeah, that's such a great point. I guess that kind of like leads us into our next discussion about, yeah, like, okay, so even though we know subconsciously, we know it's not realistic, right? Like we all plan out our lives. We, mm-hmm. we think that our lives are going to go in a certain direction. You know, maybe it's, we're going to get married. They're going to have kids, have a certain job, like whatever it is. So mm-hmm. when life throws curveballs our way, sometimes it could be very challenging. So you just brought up about being thin and about having some health challenges. So mm-hmm. how do you deal with things not going your way? Like, Yeah. So it's interesting because again, that was something I never thought that I would have had a thyroid problem. Okay. So, and and not that I just couldn't have it. That sounds weird, but I guess I had that, that same misconception in my own mind, like, oh, I must be healthy because I'm small. It was only later that I realized, you know, oh no, actually you have some health problems. And it wasn't until, uh, well, let me back up because when I was little, I always dreamed about what my life would look like. I am a person that's been making vision boards. I feel like since I was five years old. Probably not literally, but I can strategically and very vividly remember having a vision board in my room, probably from the age of 12. By the age of 14, I had a whole list of what I wanted in a husband written down. Someone had told me that, like, write out what you want in a husband so you get what you want. So I really did have my life planned out, especially in terms of like family, you know, and and career too. Um, But I feel like I was a little bit more flexible with career, like, oh, I could do this, I could do that. You know, I was just like a free spirit. But, um, when it came to family, like I knew I wanted to be married. I knew I wanted to have kids. I knew what kind of house I wanted to live in, what kind of car I wanted to drive, how I wanted to look, you know, all these things. So um, I think, you know, what happened was, is I didn't, so that, that vision, I guess I should say, started to look different when I found out about my thyroid issue, which was only because my husband and I were trying to have, you know, babies. And we literally, I think at this point we had been married for seven years and we were fine in the beginning. We're like, Oh my gosh, like we want to travel. We want to have fun. You know, we want to enjoy ourselves. We knew another couple. And, you know, sometimes you do that. You kind of, you don't intentionally do it, but you almost pattern yourself as after other people. And we knew another couple that spent a lot of years being together before they had kids. And we were like, we kind of like that idea. In fact, they were our mentors And, you know, they talked about how they were able to build their lives together and like grow together and, you know, that whole thing. So we were fine for a while. And then by year seven, we're like, okay, we're not, I'm just going to be blunt, but like, we weren't using any contraception or anything like that to prevent having children for probably six years at that point. Like after year one, I was done with the contraception. And um, so by year seven, we're like, this is weird. Like this is a really long time and I haven't gotten pregnant. So when we started the process of doing like blood work and I started getting tests done to see if there's anything going on, that's when I found out about my thyroid problem. And uh, when I found out about that, I I had some friends around that were really um, big proponents of natural health and holistic health. And so they were like, you know, And I was even thinking that I don't know if I want to be on medication. Like a lot of people are on thyroid medication their whole lives. And um, I didn't really know if I wanted to do that. And I felt like it wasn't even when I was on the meds, when I got on them, uh, treating it and giving me relief from all the things I was experiencing. So I went the holistic route and just realized I needed to change some things with my health because every test I had taken, blood tests came back normal. 
you know, um, I took outside of the thyroid, right? But I took other tests like an HSG, which is to see if your tubes are open so that you can actually, your egg can, you know, move through, right? And go where it needs to go. And all of that was fine. So they couldn't find anything wrong with me. My husband had to go through tests and there were a couple of things that he had to do, um, like a surgery to, you know, adjust some things. And so we went through a lot and um, it was still like, okay, but there's nothing like terribly wrong. I don't have endometriosis. From what I know, I don't have PCOS. Like I'm just not getting any answers. So it, I've just, I'm still on this journey. This is not a done journey. Um, and I am in year 12 of my marriage now. And I have gone through IUIs. Um, I have not gone in vitro. Um, and I've really gone through a health journey of changing my habits. So I hated to exercise. I exercise every day now, which I still hate, but I love the way it makes me feel. Um, and what I've realized in this journey is I thought I would have had kids by now. I'm in my mid thirties. They tell you that you're at high risk at this point. And I will say, I'm, I don't allow fear though, to influence how I feel. So when people ask me like, how do you deal with that? Fear is not a factor for me. Frustration maybe right, <laughs> sometimes, right. but fear is not it. Like I know that there are people, I have a cousin, she's in her forties. She has a beautiful baby boy after many, many, many years of not having a child. So for every situation that's bad or doesn't seem like there's any hope, there's another one that is filled with hope. And so I just have a real great perspective and outlook on my situation. Um, and I know that one day I will have a family, I will have kids and that excites me still. Um, and in the meantime, I'm really just taking care of my body because no one tells you that when you're little or skinny or thin, that you could be completely unhealthy. And so, yeah, it's, it's kind of been an interesting journey, but a good one because I feel like it's made me strong. Right. No, you're, you're, I mean, you're amazing, Brandy, and you've always been so positive. That's part of, of who you are. You, you have this sort of like aura around you that like, you know what I mean? Like, you're just so like, like you're sparkly. How do you say it? You know I mean? Sparkly. Cute. <laughs> um, it's just everyone. Yeah. Everyone loves being around you. I remember when you came to, to, um, Tamara's wedding, a mutual, one of your students, one of my friends, Yes. um, everyone was like, and you sat with us and after my friends were like, Oh, Brandy, she's so cool. She's so fun. And I was Aww. like, and they would have no idea of like what you've been, you know, no, no one knows anything. Yeah. Um, to them, it just seemed like you're just a happy naturally, which you are, you're a naturally happy person, but you've also taken situations that could have really interfered with your mental health. 100%. And made the best of them. And yeah, that's really admirable because very often when things don't go the right way, especially when it's such a need, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because like children yeah. and a partner spouse, like those things, sometimes people really affects people like depression, anxiety, whatever it is. Yeah. And I think that's something too, that that's kind of a misconception is that people think just because you can't have children or you're in a position, I shouldn't say I can't, I will, and right. I can just not at this moment. Um, they think that like you're down or you're disappointed with how your life has turned out. And not everyone feels that way. You know, I feel like it really is all about perspective. And like I said, I'm not going to say I haven't had days where I'm just like, oh, for God's sake, like, can I just have children? Like, what is the problem here? Um, and especially thinking about my mom, like my mom was never on any contraception and she had kids exactly when she wanted to have them and we were all healthy and she had no problems. Right. So I could think like, oh, well, that doesn't make sense. And why me and all of this? But I actually feel like, and I heard someone say something similar to this before. Why not me? 
right? Why not you to go through something to be able to help someone else, to be able to figure out and dig deep and inspire yourself and, you know, to be able to grow from it. Because at the end of the day, you know, I, I don't know if I would have embarked on such a health journey had I not known the challenges that I was facing in terms of fertility and being able to have children. You know, I probably would have still been snacking on Cheetos and eating cake and ice cream every day. Like I was when I was in college, you know, and, and who knows died early. I don't know. So I feel like that's probably so terrible. (laughs) I said that so casually, like, (laughs) like, you know, I, I believe that your journey is your journey. And, and my faith is really a huge part of who I am. So I would attribute the sparkle, not to myself, but to God. And it's because I just feel like in my life, anything I've had to go through, he's literally had a solution for me every time. So why, if I've always had a solution, even if it didn't go exactly the way I thought, would I think anything different now? And to be honest, I would have been a wreck of a mom before. (laughs) I know that sounds crazy, but I was crazy when I was young. Like I was wild, wild in terms of just... I wasn't a disciplined person. I wasn't naturally organized like so many women are. Like all these people on Pinterest with everything perfectly aligned. Like that was never me. Those are things I've had to learn. So being organized and structured and not just a free spirit that thinks she can take over the world, you know, 20 minutes, that's practical and impractical. So I feel like who I am now and who I will be as a mom is a way better situation. So yeah. But you just touched on a couple of things. The first thing was that people feeling bad for you when you don't feel bad for yourself. So let's talk about that because I think many people can relate to that. 100%. So I actually, um, yeah, people will say, because people have followed my husband and I's journey. So I didn't say this. We've been together since high school. So we've been married for 12 years, but we've literally been together since I was 12. No, just kidding. 14, yeah. basically. That's so cute. So it's, it's adorable. Yeah, Rare. it really is adorable. <laughs> um, so, you know, people were asking us about babies before we were even married, you know, and people will say things like, you know, well, when are you, of course they say, when are you going to have kids? And they're like, you know, are you guys doing okay? And But to be honest with you, most people, I feel like because they know who I am and how I am, unless they don't really know me, they don't really ask me those questions. They'll ask me, when are we having kids or you guys need to get started? You know, and some people could, if they weren't like me, you know, be really frustrated when people ask that. And I could understand that. I can relate to that. Like, it could be very annoying. Just when are you guys going to have kids? When are you going to have kids? But this is kind of what people do because this is what society says. You get married, you have kids. So. I really don't fault people for asking that because they're kind of doing what we've been programmed to do, right? Mm-hmm. Sure, they could use discretion and not do that. And that would be nice. And, you know, that would be a mindful person. But um, yeah, I feel like most people don't usually ask me, but I do have a lot of friends um, or a few, I should say, that have struggled with the same thing with infertility. And they definitely were very mentally uh, burdened by people, you know, saying, Oh, are you okay? Are you okay? Um, but they weren't okay. So for me, I'm just like, you know what, I'm just doing everything I can do to put myself in the position, uh, a healthy position to be able to, you know, carry a child. So yeah, that's kind of my feelings on that. 
Yeah. I mean, you're judging people favorably. Most people don't judge people so favorably, True. honestly, right? I don't like, always do that, but I guess in this case. <laughs> um, because most people would get like, it's kind of hurtful. That's like rubbing salt on a wound. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, for sure. I feel like it's definitely doing that when someone knows you, you know what I mean? Like an outside person, it's like, people say reckless things all the time. And granted, it's inappropriate sometimes, right? right? Like if people are just like, oh, are you pregnant? And maybe you gained weight. Like that is just disrespectful and you're not being mindful. People just in general, I don't think are mindful. So I think if you understand that the world is probably in general, maybe not like that, then you, you at least don't take that burden off because I feel like it's a burden to take on all of that frustration Though I get it and I have been there like, well, people just be quiet. Like we're going to have kids when we have kids, like chill out. But I just, I don't know. I I feel like most people just don't get things. (laughs) So I guess I judge them favorably in your words because of that. Yeah, I guess what you're saying is also you just kind of don't, because you're right, it does affect you when you take things in and you absorb these comments. So you just want to take care of yourself and not let it get to you. You have to protect your energy. There's a great book I read called The Energy Bus. And it's all about how to protect your energy from energy vampires. And people with their words can be energy vampires. Or sometimes with their actions, they can be energy vampires. But you control what happens to you. You control, you have your own filter to allow what you want in. So I try to live that way. doesn't always work. Sometimes people really piss me off and I just, you know, am pissed for the whole day. But I try yeah no that's great that's amazing are there have you ever gotten comments that you could share that you wish that you want people to know not to say to other people struggling with with infertility that's a really good question um it's I, I feel like I'm an anomaly because I feel like I don't get asked these kinds of questions often like people will say oh do you have kids it's in the way I respond I usually respond with no, not yet. And they're like, oh, they usually either say, oh, it's good to wait, you know, da, 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 da. or they'll say, um, you know, when you're ready, you will like things like that. Um, so I, I feel like it's important though, to be really sensitive again and mindful saying things like, well, you don't want to wait forever or, you know, when you, you know, when you get a certain age, you're at a higher, when people start, and sometimes it's medical people, <laughs> this sounds terrible. <laughs> they start rambling off facts and they may not even have ill intent right right but they're just going with like the science of the thing right and it's like do you realize miracles happen every day so i get the science but you know and i don't need to hear that you know what i mean so i feel like sure. if you can just be mindful about people don't always want to hear the facts they're dealing with their own reality so the facts and their reality don't match up so yeah. you telling them the facts is hurtful, irrelevant, and could be kept to yourself. Yeah. And they're not always facts, as you said, because this is just like, let's say the norm or very common, but you could be one of those people who have a different like experience, you know? That's right. 100%. Yeah, no, that's a great point. That's a really great point. It's funny. I, I, I didn't even think about that when I asked you the question. I was thinking more about just people asking you like questions that are none of their business. Like, when are you planning on having kids? How many kids do you have or whatever? Yeah. But that's such a great point because sometimes people feel like sharing facts about stuff mm-hmm. and it's not helpful. It's really not. 
it's depressing. Oh, oh it, it is depressing. And it, it's actually just like, I didn't ask you for that information. <laughs> I mean, and, and again, I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. Yes. Because, you know, not everybody, but some people want, they're trying to help. You know what I mean? Or did you know about this? And, yeah. and they're saying things based on their own perspective because they're a worry wart. You know what I mean? Yes. So don't let their worry wartness affect you <laughs> and turn you into the same thing. Right. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And you also mentioned that um, this has kind of changed the way you look at other people. I'm not sure if you meant in terms of just like not being less judgmental, not that you are judgmental, but just being even less. So like when you see people who are thin or whatever, you know, not assuming things, I should say, because when you go through things yourself, it kind of like changes your perspective, you know? Absolutely. And, and I will say, and I can admit this, that I used to be judgmental. I, I definitely, because I'm a person that has really high standards. Um, it's like if people didn't meet the standards that I thought they should, I would judge. And I want to tell you that um, it's so good to have people around you to tell the, tell you the truth about you. Uh, because I had a friend that probably around the age of 21, she lived with me and she called me out on it. She's like, uh, you're kind of judgy. And I was like, what? No, I'm not. I just want people to be their best self. She's like, no, actually you judge. And so it definitely has made me feel like you never know what anyone's going through and you don't want to assume because so I think really gauging, like when you, when I interact with people, I try to gauge where they are. I try to gauge who they are. I listen to the way they talk and I think about how I should respond to them. You know, really putting other people first is I think very important not judging them by their looks, you know, like in, in a makeup store, this is just a silly example, but when it comes to makeup, like you walk into Sephora and usually if you're a makeup artist, you don't even wear makeup. Right. At least I don't. That's so like true. On a regular I day, right. You don't even wear makeup. So I remember talking to another makeup artist and she's like, yeah, I went into Sephora and this girl was like, you know, telling me how I needed to do my makeup. She said, and I was thinking to myself, little do you know I'm actually a makeup artist she's like but I don't want to go in there and start gloating about my you know job as a makeup artist (laughs) she's like I just let her talk but you can never judge a book by its cover same thing I learned this lesson another silly example when I worked at Nordstrom way back in the day um and you could never judge how much money people are going to spend by the way they look right so I had people come in and if you looked at them, they weren't, weren't dressed in designer. They weren't doing this or that. And they would whip out their, you know, black card, right. It, that they can charter a private jet with and they would drop 20 grand. So it was just like, you know, on little things. So yeah, I definitely feel like this experience has made me feel like don't judge people. And definitely I got tired of hearing people say to me in terms of my weight, you're so little, you're so little. Oh my gosh, you're so little. I wish I was little like you. Or, you know, you, you're, you're so little, you, uh, you know, you could probably fit in like youth clothing and like just crazy things people would say. And I'm just like, you don't understand. Guess what? Being little, I can't find clothes either sometimes. So you think you can't find it because you're not the weight that you want to be. I can't even find it because they don't make stuff for people this little, you know, that are my shape or whatever. So everybody's got some of the same problems just leave the judgment to the side I would say yeah that's a really yeah that's a great point for sure is there any common misperceptions or assumptions about infertility that are something that you've learned that you would clarify for our listeners oh um that's good 
I think that one misconception that I dealt with was that if you're on birth control for long time, long periods of time, that can cause you to be infertile. So I don't know what the science is behind that, but that was actually why I got off birth control. So I got on birth control right before I got married. I got off of it after a year because I didn't want like the hormones in my body and things like that. And so, cause I was freaked out that if I was on it, that it was going to stop me from having a baby. Well, here I am. And I only was on both birth control for one year and I am struggling with infertility. So I think there, that that was definitely one. Um, I would say, I think a lot of people, this is the thing. This is what I realized at the end of the day. Having a baby is literally a miraculous act of God. And there is a scientific way that it happens in our bodies. But there was one time I was talking to one doctor and they literally were like, the odds that you get pregnant when you're ovulating are so slim. It, like, even though people are having babies all the time, so you have this perception of like, oh yeah, people are just having babies. It's just like an, a simple, easy process. It actually, like the odds are really, really low to get pregnant when you're ovulating. So when I realized that, I was like, oh. So I don't know if people are just extra fertile or they just have like lots of eggs and lots of sperm. I don't know, but... Um, I think that's, a, that was a huge misconception for me. Like, I just thought like, it just easily happens. You know what I mean? Like you get off your birth control or whatever, or you, you know, plan for it and you're trying and you just have it. So yeah, I guess I, I just didn't know. And I, I can't lift, list off any statistics for that, but I just know that literally it's like a miraculous thing when right. someone has a baby for when, sure. when the egg fertilizes. I think a lot of women take it for granted because Yep. It's kind of considered like normal, I guess, you know? Yeah. Um, but the truth is that, as you said, it's really a miracle. It is. It actually is. There's so many things I learned about sperm. <laughs> I know it's random, but it's like, <laughs> you know, some of them aren't as good as swimmers and, you know, they have to have the right speed, the right, uh, what do they call it? Morphology, the right shape um, in order to be like good sperm. Right. And it's interesting because there's a whole, I'm going to go off on a tangent for a second, but there are so many people that deal with infertility that don't talk about it or don't know. And some people are dealing with it, I believe, and they don't actually know. Right. Until it takes, let's say longer than they think it should. And then they start seeking other options. And then I've also learned Um, one of my clients recently, uh, took her eight years. She's now pregnant. She went through three rounds of IVF that didn't work. Okay. And tons of IUIs. And what she realized is people don't do their research. So the IVF clinic that she went to one of them, all of their statistics were based on women that were already super young and in their prime. Mm. And they, instead of having them do IUIs first, they immediately went to IVF, which is a more sure method, right? Because they are fertilizing the egg in a Petri dish. So that was really interesting because she was saying how people's, you know, statistics can be off. And unless you really do the research, you wouldn't know that because they want their ratings to look good. Like, oh, we have a success rate of 90% because they're working with all young women and women that went straight to IVF. So there's just a lot of, you have to do a lot of research and, um, 
Yeah. I don't know if that answers the question, but just yeah. something I've learned no. along the way. It definitely answers the question because this is like about, you know, misconceptions and yeah, it's good for people to know because they'll do more research and look into the clinics before they start treatment. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything that you feel that people misunderstood about your situation? I think people, what they've misunderstood is that I would say probably just, they think that we're just waiting forever. Like we're not trying. Like, what are you guys waiting for? It's like, we're actually not waiting. We're trying. But we're technically kind of waiting for it to just happen. So I think the misconception is that, like, you don't, oh, that's another big one. Like, do you want kids? Just because I don't have them doesn't, and I'm a certain age, doesn't mean I don't want them. Right. So definitely that's a big one. Like, oh, okay. Do you guys actually want children? Um, I've definitely heard, had people ask me that and it's like, oh yeah, of course I want kids. I just, and I just flat out tell people, well, we waited a long time to, you know, really, really try. And then after that, we've not been able to on our own right now. So we're looking at other methods. That's a hard thing to say out loud. It took me kind of a minute to say that. And I feel like when you can say, I don't like that phrase, like people saying, speak your truth, speak your truth. But when you can say what's actually going on, kind of like when someone asks you, how are you doing? And you're not really doing well. And you just go, oh, I'm good. No, you're not. So say that you're not. So I think there's a lot of freedom in um, combating some of the ways people respond and react to you by just saying what it is. And it brilliant awareness, right? Because there's not a lot. I didn't have any awareness of infertility until I became a full grown adult. Because it wasn't something I observed in my own family, wasn't someone, anyone that I knew when I was young. People, I mean, people weren't talking about that. You know what I mean? I feel like only in recent times have people really started to become verbal about some of the challenges that they face on a really public level. So, um, yeah, I, I just, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> no, that's a that's a really great point, though. I love what you said about being so like real and just saying, speaking your truth, whatever, however you want to call it. Because I think it's like what, you know, now everybody's very into being authentic and authenticity, Mm -hmm. but that there's a reason for that. Because first of all, you're not lying. You're just saying like, actually, here's, here are the facts. Here's what's happening. And of course, no one should say, give over any information that they don't feel comfortable, you know, revealing. Right. But if you're comfortable with it, and if you don't, you know what I mean? If, 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 yeah, if you're comfortable with it, then you should just say it because not to make someone feel stupid or awkward for asking you the question, but first of all, they probably deserve it. But like, you know what I mean? Like if they're asking you that question, but like, second of all, like, I mean, in all seriousness, like just being like, if they're going to ask the question, you could also get, you're going to have to hear the answer. And if the answer is I've actually been struggling with immortality, then, and that's going to make you uncomfortable, then don't ask the question. 100%. And, and I really, Again, you're absolutely right in saying, if you don't feel comfortable, don't say it, right? But there's a freedom in truth. Like, really, truly, I believe that truth frees people. When you just tell the truth, you feel so much lighter, so much freer. Now, of course, you want to share truth sometimes within safety, right? Someone you feel safe with. Um, But people aren't used to people telling the truth. They're used to people just glossing over stuff and making it look pretty like we do for Instagram, right? Right. So it's like, 
when you tell the truth, sometimes it shocks people. Sometimes it puts them in their place. And then other times you never know, they may have like a great resource for you or like, oh my gosh, really? My sister's an infertility specialist. Like I should give you her number. You never know what doors truth will open. You know what I mean? And so so I really believe in that, Um, even though it's hard sometimes. And like I said, you don't do it to everybody, random people on the street. But um, yeah, I I think it's surprising some of the great things that can come from truth. Yeah, that's another great point because yeah, for sure. Like when you tell the truth, there's something about just being honest that doesn't, that yeah, lightens the load a little bit. It doesn't, because when you have to hide things, keep things under wraps, it's like a heaviness. It is a heaviness, 100%. And, and I will say on the other end of the spectrum, and this was definitely me for a minute, you can also, if you don't speak truth or facts, you can also live in denial, right? And so things can be happening to you and you can be struggling with infertility. But like, that was me at one point, just like, all right, well, we're good. Like, I just need to wait until it happens. No, you need to do something about it. You know what I'm saying? So I definitely feel like you can go on. So some people may be on the depression end of the spectrum where they feel like, oh, it's burdening them so much that they're struggling with infertility. And then other people like me may start out on the spectrum of kind of denial. Like it was like, I knew like, that doesn't really make sense that I wasn't having a baby yet, but it was almost like, well, in the right timing. It's like, okay, we, we rely on God but we also rely on science. (laughs) So let's go to a doctor and see if you're okay. Like I had to tell myself that. So yeah, I feel like there's so many different directions you can go in, but needless to say, that's another reason why you have to sometimes speak truth, even just for yourself. Yes, absolutely. That's a great point. Did you receive any good advice from like doctors or friends or healthcare providers regarding infertility? Yeah. So it's funny because people that I know that have struggled with infertility, literally almost every person I know, it was after they got their health in order, they started exercising, they, you know, worked on their mental health if they needed to, worked on their diet. And even after going through like IUI, IVF, all these things, then all of a sudden they just get pregnant naturally. Okay. So that's happened to like majority of people I know that have struggled with infertility. Your mind is such a powerful part of your body. The way you think, like de-stressing was another piece of advice. That's huge, huge. When you stress out, your stomach gets in knots sometimes, or you get a migraine. Like your body is telling you. And I remember people used to say this to me all the time. Like your body will talk to you. It will tell you. And I'm like, what are these people talking about? My body doesn't say anything to me. I feel fine. I feel regular like myself. And if my stomach hurts, my stomach hurts. I don't know what that's a sign of. Like, what are you saying? But then as I went on my own journey, I started to realize, oh yeah, my body is talking to me. And I actually can tell when I'm out of whack or when I'm stressed because I can feel the effects in my body. And so that was some of the best advice I got. Like work on your habits, work on your lifestyle. And if that's intact and it's still not happening, then let's talk about some more aggressive measures, you know, but, and even in the midst of doing that, you could be paying $20,000 for IVF or whatever. And if you're stressed out, it may not work. And I'm no, I'm not a doctor. Okay. But it may not work because I know that stress is an inhibitor of a lot of things. That's just common sense. Right. 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 So that's probably one of the best pieces of advice. 
And um, then there's like other random pieces of advice, like don't have sex every single day when you're ovulating, do it every other day because the sperm needs time to build up. I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, lots of uh, practical things and then, you know, doctor related things. Right. No, it's so interesting that you mentioned about the stress because I've heard the same thing. I've heard of people who just relax their body and they're like, okay, when it comes, it comes, or if it doesn't, whatever it is. And then they just got pregnant naturally. Literally, literally. I know so many people, even the person I was just talking about, my client. I mean, literally, they spent God knows how much money on three IVFs and tons of IUIs. IUIs are like, I think with insurance, it's like $800, you know, every time you do it and they suggest you do at least three rounds in the beginning and keep doing it different cycles. So without insurance, it could be, you know, if your insurance doesn't cover it, I'm sure it's probably double. And then IVF is like between, I think 10 and 20 grand. And so, I mean, you're a hundred thousand dollars in, and then you have your baby naturally because you went to an herbalist and you started working out. Like who, who could have imagined? I know it's very true and and just fascinating because again your mind is a big factor and your regular health is yeah I mean there's a reason why we say mind over matter you know there's a story legitimacy to that quote 100% what do you wish you could tell people who don't understand what you're going through what do I wish I could tell people yeah I wish that I could tell people to think about a situation in their own life that's been a huge challenge and the mental strength that it took to overcome that in addition to whatever other things they had to do. And just remember that feeling because then they would be able to better identify with my situation and understand the kind of mental fortitude I have to have to move forward and still be hopeful. And right, it's not like this is just like, oh, Let's just continue to hope. I mean, you have to work at that. So I feel like every person can relate because we've all gone through challenges that have forced us to really be strong mentally, for sure. And, you know, also have the strength to like do the things we need to do to get where we want to be. So I, I would want people to just remember, remember when you were in a situation. That's a, that's really great advice because it helps people who are not necessarily natural empaths kind of become a little bit more empathic. Right. Because it doesn't matter what the situation is. You still go through the same emotions, denial, anger, frustration, right? Yeah. So whether you're dealing with death, whether you're dealing with infertility, whether you're dealing with a divorce, whether you're dealing with um, your child, you know, is sick, you know, whatever it is, you, you are still going to have, you're going to be able to identify with those same emotions. Something. Yeah. No one's life is perfect. Exactly. Right. right. Yeah. And we kind of spoke about this before a little bit mm-hmm. um, about the way we look and the way we appear to others that it looks like our, li- our life is perfect sometimes, but it's really far from it. Um, so I was thinking like, would you, do you wish people knew sometimes what you're going through or would you rather keep it private? Mm, that's a good question. It's so funny because I am naturally super outgoing. But I've had some people really close to me say, you're kind of private though. And I am, this is actually the first time I've like openly publicly talked about infertility though, like tons of people in my life know about it. Um, And I've definitely told random strangers too, (laughs) but because that's who I am. But I would say, 
I feel like it's only important for people to know my struggle if it's going to either help them understand me or help them get through something that they need to. Does that make sense? Yes. I don't think people need information just for the sake of knowing information. I think it has to have purpose. So I don't know if I can fully answer that, but I feel like I, it doesn't bother me at all for anyone to know about my own, about my struggles, but there is a part of me that is private sometimes because I think things are sacred. It's just kind of like, even though I think, again, I hate the speak your truth phrase, but I don't know what else to say. Even though I believe in that, like, you know, saying the truth and all of that, I also believe that some things are sacred and like, you know, there are things about my personal life with my husband, you know, that we share that are great times that no one will ever know because that's sacred to me. And that's between the two of us. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or certain conversations. So I think it depends on what your personal core values are for me. Um, if I can help someone with my struggle, absolutely. I want them to know about it, but if they're just being nosy, no. Right. I guess I meant it more from an aspect of for you, but you're, you know what I mean? You, but you kind of answered that question. Like, for example, sometimes, you know, when people are going through things and they're walking the street and people are acting a certain way towards them and they're just, whether it's like super bubbly and happy, or it's maybe even like a little bit like rude or short, you know what I mean? They kind of wish people knew what they were going through you know what I mean like oh then it would be you. like yeah I got you yeah so in that particular case I don't think so that's that's an interesting because I feel like that's a hard question that that's actually a hard question for me um like if I'm having a bad day or something do I wish people knew what I was going through if I'm feeling like gosh like how old am I going to be when I actually have a baby ever, you know? Um, I don't know that I want, I'm not a person that really wants people's like, I don't need people to coddle me. I don't need people to reassure me. I reassure myself. My husband actually hates when I say that, but I'm like, the only person that can inspire me the most is myself. Legit, legitimately. Like there is no one that can pump me up. Like I can pump me up. Or tear me down like I can tear me down, right? When I'm being hard on myself. So it works both ways. But I, I just feel like I don't need that from people, even though we all need support. So I'm not saying I don't need support. I don't want to sound pompous. But I feel like ultimately, if I'm going to get out of the gutter, it's going to be because of me. And if I'm going to feel my best, it's going to be because of me. So I feel like I don't need people to know, if that makes yeah. sense. No, that's, yeah, no, I totally get that. And also that's a great point that you said about that you're the one who brings your, like you bring yourself out of the gutter and you make yourself feel good because I think that people don't give themselves enough credit. Right. For the power that you have to change oh yourself and your own life. That gives me the chills talking about that because I 100% believe in that. Like yeah. 100%. At the end of the day, if you got in trouble with the law or something like that, Who's going to answer for you? You might have an attorney and whatever, but guess what? They're still listening to what you say. Yeah. If you're in a court of law. So I feel like you can either incriminate yourself or help yourself get out. So I feel the same way about emotional states. You can either put yourself down or pull yourself up. And yeah, I just, I believe, I think that we don't give ourselves enough credit. And, and the thing is, is the funny thing is, is most of us don't have a difficult time at all pulling ourselves down. So if you have the power to do that, how come it doesn't work in the reverse? Everything has an opposite. Yes, totally, totally. One thing I wanted to say, though, too, is I don't know that I would want people to necessarily 
know so much about my struggle also because I don't want to be labeled by that. Right. Okay. I don't okay. like labels. Yes. Now, if it was my platform and I was like an advocate for infertility and like, you know, contributing to funds and things like that, and maybe I will one day, I don't know. But right now, that's not like my platform. Does that make sense? It's not a part of like my identity and who I want to be in the world. It's a situation that I'm going through. Yeah. that I can use as a tool, but it's not like who I am in my platform. So in that way, I wouldn't want people to know, or I wouldn't want it to be at the forefront of their minds. They could know, but I don't want them to think Brandy infertility. Like that is like just a section of what right. I get. That is not who I am. That is so true. And yes, that is such an important point because it could, which really applies to everything, like whatever society believes that we should have and we haven't yet attained in quotes, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, that people, no one wants to be, to feel like a, a charity case or whatever, um, something like that, you know, everyone wants to be recognized for who they really are at their core and, and other accomplishments that you've right. achieved. But like, but it's not about this one struggle, which might be a huge struggle and it is for you and it, and you know, a lot of other people, but that's not what defines you. Right. And it kind of reminds me of like, I went to a conference with Brendan Bouchard. I love him. He's like a coach uh, for like high performing people. And one of his like catchphrases is honor the struggle. And what I love is that I heard his story and his story is a big part of his platform because he almost died in like a car accident or whatever. But when you think of him, you think of coach motivator like you don't think of the guy that survived the car accident like you know that's a part of his struggle or part of his journey but like you don't attach him to that problem so to speak or to that situation or that challenge you know what I mean you see you see him for what he is as the result of that right okay yeah that makes total sense so Okay, I, of course, everyone needs a support system, even though everything starts with, with yourself, we still need mm-hmm. a support system. So yes. um, could you tell me about yours, about your friends and family, how they've helped you or yeah. not, I should say helped, I should say been there for you and supported you. 100%. So I'll start with my husband. So he is, he is like the most even keel guy like nothing sometimes to a fault (laughs) but like he's so chill that it's like do you ever get riled up or like intense like hello because I'm super (laughs) intense but I love that he's not so intense because really he he just brings me back to like it's not that serious Brandy there's a solution like you know when I get on my little rants of like I just can't believe that this is happening and how are we ever gonna do this and you know so he definitely keeps me level-headed um, when I get on one of my peaks, <laughs> whether it's a low peak or a high peak, <laughs> I'm very grateful for that. Despite how it might irritate me sometimes when I'm just like, do you have a reaction? Like, are you worried? He's like, why would I be worried? I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy is not a realist. <laughs> but no, it's really, you know, it's like opposites attract totally. And it, it definitely has helped me just like relax in life. Like, it's not that deep. And um, my family, like my immediate family, my parents, my siblings, uh, my my middle sister and I were pretty far apart in age, but we're like best friends. We used to, couldn't stand each other when we were young. Um, so she's like kind of my sounding board when I just need to vent. 
And so I appreciate that. Like just somebody that'll listen. Like sometimes we need that. Even if you can inspire yourself, you just need somebody to let you let out what's in your head. Even if it doesn't make sense, even if you don't think it all the time, even if you're in a dark place and that's not where you're going to stay, you just need to let it out. So um, that's definitely, you know, been a huge support for me. And and my mom and dad, I, I will say like, they want grandkids. You know, I'm the first child of the family. Um, so I would be the first to have grandchildren in a stereotypical world. Um, and they don't have any grandchildren right now. And they've never pressured me. And I appreciate that. Like, you know, sometimes I feel like parents, not, not that they intend to, but they're excited or whatever. And they can nag you kind of, and just say like, when are you guys going to have kids? You know, I'm getting old. Da, 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 da. Yeah. My parents never say that to me. They never say that. And so I'm so grateful for that. And I am surrounded by a lot of really powerful women, like women that encourage and <laughs> encourage me and really push me to be my greatest self. So they remind me of who I am. Like, you know, Devon has been a huge mentor for me um, and lots of other women, actually. I've, I've been fortunate to have a lot of mentors in my life. People that have either shown me the examples or they've told me, you know, things that I should do to be my best self. So I have a pretty big support system and I feel very fortunate for that. Yeah, that's awesome. So is that what you would say um, is a way to support your friends and family for other people who are listening, who are struggling with infertility is by being a good listener and not pressuring? Yes, 100%. Be there to listen if they want to talk. Definitely don't pressure them. Like stop bringing it up and engage them. Do they want to talk about it? If they want to talk about it, let them talk about it. If they don't want to talk about it, respect them enough to not bring it up. That I think is really huge. Just being respectful again and mindful of your, you know, family member or friend. Um, that's that's very important for sure. And I also think you have to gauge people's emotional state, right? So if you have someone that you know that's struggling with infertility and they're very fragile, you gloating about being pregnant if you're pregnant isn't helpful. You know, not that you need to minimize your own joy because I don't believe in that but just be mindful of how you relay, right? And, and a good friend will be happy for you, honestly. But sometimes it's hard for people if you're in a bad place or you're depressed, right? right? So I think you just need to be excited about what, you know, if you're pregnant or you're having a baby, but also don't, don't throw it in the face. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, Absolutely. so I'm going to get this, I'm going to get that. Just, you know, talk about it with somebody else. Like, why do you have to talk that. about it to them? <laughs> Talk right. about it with somebody else that has a child or is pregnant. Don't talk about it to the person that you know that's a sensitive subject for. That's just rude. I love that you said that because I completely agree with you 100%. It's like you have other people to talk to and you don't have to put it. And this goes with everything, anything that someone's struggling with, any sensitive, you know, topic. You don't have that. You have one friend. You can talk to other people about it. Exactly. Just pick and choose who you talk to about it. And I actually learned that kind of a hard way because, um, you know, I dated my husband when I was really young. And when I had a roommate, she was in a pretty terrible relationship and I was young and stupid. And so I would, we have a joke. I would come home every day talking about my, she called them Craig the bomb stories. I'm like, oh my gosh, Craig is so the bomb. And I would talk about what Craig was doing and I wasn't doing it to glow. I really wasn't. I was just immature, first of all. And I, I felt like if she can see what a good relationship is, she'll know what she can have. Cause I felt like she didn't know her worth. 
But for her, she really didn't give two craps about my relationship and hearing about definitely didn't want to hear about it when she had a guy that was treating her like garbage. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes out of ignorance, people do things like that, but it's like, be aware, especially if you're an adult. I mean, I was young. I was like a teenager. So I'm not giving myself an excuse, but I'm just saying, like, if you are an adult, like you should know better. I totally agree with you. Yeah. And just live by example. Let people watch you. You don't have to say it. They can be inspired by a relationship or inspired by you being pregnant or having a baby just by watching. You know what I mean? Like, oh, that could be me one day. You know what I mean? For sure. Take it in. You don't need to tell them. Yeah. Yeah. Such a great point. The teacher in me wants to tell everybody everything. That's the problem. (laughs) (laughs) yes okay so ending off um yeah this is the question that i ask everybody what's something that you hope the next generation of women won't have to struggle with oh that's such a big question i know (laughs) to be honest with you in thinking about the current generation and how the world is and I, i hate to sound like that old lady like oh this generation blah 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 But I do feel like the generations change, right? People change the way they think, their outlook. And I encounter a lot of young people on a regular basis, young women specifically. And I pray to God that they don't have to struggle with fear. Fear to me is the killer of all things. And I've watched it debilitate so many people and prevent them from actualizing their dreams, from going after the thing that they want with all their heart, from, you know, pursuing things that they think are out of reach, but yet see themselves doing. So I would really hope for that. Like, I I just, I hope that the next generation can combat fear and be confident. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, so true. So important, really. Fear holds you back from everything. Literally, the fear of what people will think, the fear of if you'll succeed or you'll fail. It's actually a a proven fact. The fear of public speaking, right, uh, is like number one over death. What? How does that make sense? I'm more scared to speak in public than I am to die. (laughs) This is our reality, though, right? Because people are so afraid of what others will think or how they'll be perceived and so I just feel like as women, we're sh- super strong. We are strong because we are able to manage and handle so many different things because we carry so many roles. I don't care if you're a mom or a wife or neither, none of those. If you are a woman, period, you are managing a lot of things. So, and we have the capacity. So I would just hope that the next generation just realizes their capacity and overcomes fear. Yeah, Absolutely. Okay. And then where can people find you if they want to learn more about you? Well, on Instagram, I don't post a lot on Facebook. Uh, My Instagram is just my name, Brandy with an I, Myree, M-Y-R-E-E. And I'm like rebranding myself a little bit right now. So I'm on pause, I feel like, but you could just stay tuned. (laughs) Okay. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining me tonight, Brandy. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it was so much fun. I really appreciate you having me. And let me just say, I love, honestly, I told you this already, but I love how you are supporting women and empowering women with stories and with conversations and with makeup and beauty. 
um, it's all the things that I love. So of course I love what you're doing. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. That's all for tonight. Thanks so much for listening. Connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Carmela Cosmetics. That's Carmela with a K. And on our website, CarmelaCosmetics.com. If there's a woman in your life whose story needs to be heard, send me a message to let me know who she is and why she means so much to you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know your thoughts. We want you to feel heard. 